0: Last week was National Porn Sunday, for those of you guys who weren't here. What is that? What it is is X Church partnered with hundreds of churches across the United States and across the world to watch a simulcast at the same time discussing the issues of pornography in our community, pornography in our society, and what in the world the church is going to do about it. Um, I think a lot of people were pretty shocked last week by the fa- fact that we were doing National Porn Sunday. People are confused. What? A church talking about pornography? What? They wonder if it's really appropriate to talk about something like that at church. Is it really appropriate, I mean, to even say the word pornography inside of a church? Or maybe they feel that it's something that just needs to not be brought up and left alone. You don't want to say that word. It's embarrassing and weird. But see, I have a serious issue with that, because pornography is a real issue in our society, and the reality is, is that the guys at work, the girls in the office, or the kids on the school bus, are talking about it. So see, if the church doesn't talk about it, then that means that they only have one side to hear. If we're not talking about it as well, they're still going to hear about it. But see, they're only going to hear one half of the story. The church bearing its head really does nothing on the issue. Let me, let me liken it this way, okay? You guys, all of you have probably gone ahead and done this. Have you guys ever went to pour a glass of milk and you go ahead and tip it over and spill it. I'm not talking about crying over spilt milk. That's an overused analogy. But here's my analogy. If you just leave that alone and just figure, you know what, just don't, just don't mention the fact that I, I spilt that milk. Don't, don't mention it. Just leave it alone. What's going to happen? Is it going to take care of itself? Is it even going to stay the same? What happens is it gets worse and worse and worse, doesn't it? Until you clean that mess up, oh my goodness, it's going to keep getting worse. And before long, that milk's going to start to rot and turn foul. Sometimes things in our world take action. Simply looking the other way doesn't accomplish anything. I think that's the same thing with pornography. And this morning, uh, I'm going to continue to talk about this, this subject, and we're going to talk about what the, the application is to it. But I think you'll be surprised because really it applies to all of us, whether or not pornography is an issue or not. But I want to give you a few stats that might blow your mind. And this is in following from last week, talking all about this subject. Let's start with this. 12% of all websites are pornographic. 12%. In other words, that would be 24,644,172 websites to date. 24 million websites. 12% of all of the Internet. 40 million Americans are regular porn site visitors. Pretty staggering number. How about this one? The world internet pornography revenues is $4.9 billion a year. But you know what's even maybe more shocking about that? Is the United States makes up $2.84 billion of that. Over 60% is just simply us in our backyard of the United States. The other 40% is the whole rest of the world. 25% of all search, engines requ- search engine requests like Google, Yahoo, Bing, 25% of them are pornographic. 25% of search engine entries. That's 68 million entries a day. And here's one that's kind of weird. Elmhurst, Illinois, an hour and 36 minutes north of us, in the suburbs of Chicago, is the number one city in the U.S. to search sex, porn, and triple X. An hour and a half north of us, in Chicago. Chicago is the number one city in the United States. Every day, there are 116,000 searches for the term child pornography. Every day. And the most popular day of the week for viewing pornography is Sunday. Today. Those facts kind of shock us a little bit when you actually start thinking about it, isn't it? It's not just some small little secret topic to be discussed it's obviously a a huge issue in the united states the world's talking about it like i said guys at work women in the office kids at school they're talking about it and if the church doesn't talk about it then we're fools we have to discuss something that's that prevalent let me start by making something really clear okay And if there's any question in your mind, I hope I can resolve it today. Pornography is sinful. If you want to take a look at it in the the eyes of of Christianity, in the eyes of where I'm coming from, because what I'm here for isn't to give you my own opinions. What I'm here for is is to take a look at the Bible and tell you guys what I see from it when I read things. And this is what I I find, is that pornography is not God's best. Matthew 5.27. Jesus is teaching. And he uses this, this term, okay? If you, if you want to scan with me on these, you can do it. If you want to write them down, whatever you'd like to do. If you want to just listen to me read, you can go ahead as well, too. But in Matthew 5, 27, this is what Jesus says. You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, right? That's having sex outside of marriage. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, that's a pretty harsh teaching, isn't it? Jesus says, you've heard the teaching about adultery. But he says, as far as I'm concerned, if you look at somebody with lust, you've already committed it right here inside your heart. You've already committed adultery. When we look at a naked man or woman of the other sex and enjoy their body, well, that's not sinful, depending on whose body it is. If that person's your husband or wife, more power to you, but if they're not your husband or wife, for you to experience their sexuality in viewing their body and in anything else that goes with that, well, that's sinful by what the Bible says, looking at a woman or looking at a man with lust, and really, that's the key component, isn't it? When you look at what pornography is, is it is a lust-driven device. It's all about wanting something that isn't yours and enjoying it. When we look to the Bible, it becomes clear this, sex and marriage go hand in hand. Every time sex and marriage are brought together, it's brought together as a beautiful picture. Anytime sex is used outside of marriage, it's talked about in in horrible light, that it's destructive, that it's not correct, that it creates pain, creates heartache. Sex outside of marriage is, uh, of course, a sin by what the Bible says. And there's not a specific verse that says that, but when you go through it, you can easily see that it's not God's best. The whole point of pornography, like I said, is, is lust. It's not yours to experience, but you are. Now, sex in itself, to step back from that, sex is not a bad thing. I think that's what some people might go into. That might be what some people would think and say, you know, well, it's, it's that sex. It's, it's, it's a dirty, a dirty thing to talk about, but that's not really the case either. Sex isn't dirty. God didn't look down one day and go, oh my God, what are they doing? He, he wasn't shocked by that. Not at all. God created sex. He was the designer. Think about it this way. God could have created any means he wanted to for us to create offspring. It wouldn't have had to have been that way. He could have created anything he wanted to, right? One could just grow off your side and just fall off one day. But God chose and designed sex for a reason. It's a God design. It's not an earthly design. He created it. And that means that it's not a bad thing, but it can be used incorrectly. It can be used outside of that plan. Inside of marriage, gift is an amazing I mean, sex is an amazing gift. That's supposed to be used that way. It's awesome between couples for, for procreation, to create intimacy and love, for fun, for enjoyment, or simply just a pastime until your favorite talk show comes on. Whatever it is, inside of marriage, it's beautiful, and it's a gift for you to use. But outside of marriage, it can be very destructive. It has harmful consequences. By misusing it um, and and experiencing sex or sexuality outside of this marriage uh, relationship, it can cause a lot of problems. But what does this mean if, if say you struggle with pornography? Which, b- by statistically speaking, I don't mean to call anyone out in this audience, but statistically speaking, people in this audience have to be struggling with pornography. Somebody has to. I know everyone's like, well, "It's not me. It's not me." But statistically speaking, it's impossible that we could have a crowd this size and not have people who are dealing with this issue. It is far too common in our society. Far too common. The internet makes it far too prevalent. Before, it used to be that you had to go search out pornography. I love what Pastor Craig said last week in Triple X Church's podcast. He says, Now pornography comes looking for you. It's the truth. If you're on the internet, it comes knocking at your door, it'll find you. But if you struggle with pornography, what does it mean? It means that you're human. That's what it means. If you've dealt with pornography, if you're dealing with pornography, it means that you're human. The facts don't lie. 40 million Americans are struggling with pornography. Get this. 70% of men, 18 to 24, visit porn sites in a typical month. 70% of 18 to 24 men. And you women, it's no different. One out of three porn visitors are women nowadays. It's not a guy thing, it's an everybody thing. People are struggling with it across the board. Doesn't matter what age you are, where you're at, what your economic level is, what the color of your skin is, doesn't matter one bit. People are struggling with pornography. It's a real issue. But what this means is simply that you are human. Psalm 103. 13 through 14, is this really cool verse, and and God's it's a conversation about kind of like what God thinks about us, and and just in two verses, let me read this for you. And I, I think it's it's so cool. It says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. I love that term. If you guys remember the account of the creation it says that God reached down and he took a pile of dust and he formed it into our bodies and he blew into it and created life. And it says, you know, when God looks at you, he remembers that you simply came from dust and that you're not that strong and that you have problems. He understands. Because you deal with pornography, it doesn't make you a second-class citizen. It doesn't even make you a second-class Christian. It's another sin that people are dealing with. And that's really the issue, is that it's not more disgusting than another sin not to god it's sin it is a failure for what he wants for our lives but really no one wants to say this but it's no different than sitting next to the person who's a gossip or sitting next to the person who's a liar or sitting next to the person who's um shifty in the way they 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 run their business and taking advantage of people it's not god's best so it's sinful. But it doesn't make you a second-class citizen because you struggle with this or because you struggle with it today. So it doesn't even make you a second-class Christian. You're just human. It's another struggle. People love to condemn the sins that they don't have. A lot of times, people even love to condemn the sins they do have. They'll point out someone else's struggles and not point at themselves. I say how disgusting it is, but honestly, sometimes I'm just disgusted by lies or by all the things like that. But the awesome thing is this. We don't have a God who ununderstanding? See, in many religions, in many philosophies around the world, God is this this tyrant that gives you a set of rules, and when you don't follow it, he smashes your life, and he creates destruction in it. But we don't have that God. Not the God of the Bible. Not the God of Jesus Christ. So when we look at, at him, we see the fact that he understands. There's this awesome verse in Hebrews 4. It's a discussion commenting about Jesus when he was here, and this is what it says. It says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, that being Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. It says, This high priest of ours, he understands our weakness, for he faced all of the same testings we do, and yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. It says that all of those temptations that you faced, all of those struggles that you've had, Jesus had them too. When he came to this earth, God became man in Jesus Christ. And he got to experience the human condition and realize what it is to be tempted. The only difference is he never failed. Because he was perfect. He faced all that same temptation we did, but he withstood all of it for the 33 years he was here on earth until he was crucified. But it says he understands. He's felt the temptation we felt, and he gets it. He understands it. That's the God that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, granted, he didn't have to deal with internet pornography, <laughs> okay? Internet was a little bit later on. Al Gore was a few years after that when he created it, right? Um, <laughs> It was, it was a little bit later on. But he dealt with stuff like lust, because that's what internet pornography is all about, right? He dealt with the root cause of what we're talking about. He dealt with it. All of the things that we've dealt with, the struggles, all the different sin that we've dealt with in our life, he's dealt with it too. When Jesus came to this earth, he didn't spend his time hanging out with saints, but he spent his time hanging out with sinners. He spent the majority of his time sitting around people who didn't have it figured out, who didn't have their life cleaned up, who didn't have it all put together. That's who he was interested in. People who didn't have it figured out yet. People who were just human, who were trying. What I mean is this, is that if you struggle with pornography, with other sin in your life, what it means today is that you're just human. And what I want to tell you today is that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay. So I want that to be a relief, but in the same time, a little bit of wait for the next step, because the reality is, is, it's okay that you don't have it all figured out. It's okay that you still have struggles. It's okay that you might still struggle with pornography, but it's not okay to stay not okay. What I mean is this, is that if you are struggling with pornography as a Christian, the one thing you can't do is nothing. The one thing you cannot do is, is nothing and just say, well, I'm human. Well, that's not good enough. Because see, even if you are struggling and you're in that place, that's not what God wants for your life. It's okay that you're there, but that's not where he wants you to stay. He wants you to move past it and get into a place that's, that's better for your life. He has plans for it. That's far better. He doesn't want you stuck in that rut. Once you understand that this might be sinful and not correct for your life, we have to do something about it. And I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. Last week, if you were here for uh, Craig's talk, he used three points. Now I'm going to use the exact same three points that he taught about changing, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to preach them with my own flavor, okay? First and foremost, if we realize that we have to change, we need to tell God. That's the beginning of all of it. None of the other steps work unless we start by telling God. If we struggle if we're sinners. We have to tell God. That's that first step. It's the integral beginning step to the rest of our lives. First John, starting in, in chapter 1 and, and 8 through 10, it says this, If we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, meaning God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our wickedness. If we claim we've not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. It says, man, if you're going to sit around and say, you know what, I don't have sin, says, the only person you're fooling is yourself. Even God knows, not only that too, but really the people around you know. They know you don't have it figured out. If you say, oh, not me, the only person you're fooling is yourself. But what I think is even more interesting is is it says this, If you say this, you're calling God a liar. Because God said all of us deal with sin. If you say not me, you're calling God a liar. I don't want to call God a liar. Anyone else? Seems like a scary place to be, doesn't it? To call God out as a liar? That's not really cool for me. I don't think I want to step into those shoes and have to try to fill them. Not my place. But if we confess to God, it says that then he can forgive us. Then he can change the circumstance. He can come in and he he can make it new. But that's the key to moving forward, is that before we start, we have to confess this to God. The reality of this is, this is the message for all of us. This is a message for someone who deals with pornography and how they need to go through this. But it's the message for every one of these, every one of the sins we might deal with. This idea of, of, of telling God, this is universal. It says this in the Bible, in, in Romans 6.23, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. What it means is that in this world, we all live by sin. We all do it. But it says, unfortunately, the laws of the universe state that if we sin, someday we die. And when we die, that we have to pay for all of that sin. That's what hell is. That's that payment for all that sin. But it says that God found a loophole in the system by Jesus Christ. And when he came, he lived this perfect life. And when he died, the only way he could die was by taking someone else's sin because he never sinned. And since he was God, he carried every single one of our sin to that cross. And he paid for it instead of us having to pay for it. And the way we get out of that payment is by trusting in Jesus for our salvation and making him our Lord. It starts by confessing to God, I'm a sinner and I can't take care of this on my own. doesn't matter what it is. If it's pornography or if it's anything else, we deal with our lives. Second, after you've had this real conversation with God, you need to tell someone else. That gets even scarier, doesn't it? Telling God, oh, that sounds easy. I could sit back and I could probably muster up the energy and the courage to tell God, I deal with the struggle of pornography in my life. Can you help me? But telling someone else, now that's embarrassing, isn't it? James five sixteen 16, it says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. It's right there. No no gray area, black and white. James says that you need to confess your sins to others. You need to share the fact that you don't have it all figured out and you need people to pray for you cuz that's how stuff's going to change. He spells it out really really clear. It means the fact that girls you need to find some girls. Guys you need to find some guys. And you need to share the fact that you don't have it all figured out. In fact, you have some problems. People already know. Can I just be real with you? People already know. Because when you have problems, you realize other people have problems too, don't you? Maybe when you're young, you're kind of naive. But as you get older, you realize, man, everyone's got problems. And a lot of times, you know what? People aren't shocked. People are embarrassed about their own problems. But they're not embarrassed when you tell, when, when they, when you tell their problems to you. You know what I mean? If someone comes up and tells you a problem, a lot of times you're not embarrassed for them. You're embarrassed to tell your own problems, aren't you? But you're not embarrassed to hear someone else's. As long as we keep sin in the dark, it'll continue to grow. It's like fungus. As long as we keep sin in the dark, it'll continue to grow. But as soon as we bring it out in the light, it begins to die. Just like that. Just like a nasty fungus. If it's kept in the dark, man, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. But if you bring that stuff out in the light where the sun can get to it, it bakes it and it dies. Same exact thing with sin. We keep it in the dark, it's going to grow. We bring it out to light, it's going to begin to die. Hear this, okay? Just think about this for a second, because this is kind of an aside, but right on point. If people think you're more holy than you are, it's because you're a liar. If people think you're more holy than you really are, it's because you're a liar, and because you misled them to believing that you're something that you're not. And that's a sin. People think you're better than you are and you're not, you're a liar. You're not being real about who you are. And that's sinful. You need to be real with people and explain that you maybe have problems too. You know what acting like you have everything figured out does? It just puts up walls. How do you trust somebody who always acts like everything's fine? How in the world can you share that you have problems if all they ever say is everything's perfect? It's a lie. When we open up our lives and we break down those walls and begin to share that we don't have it all figured out, that's when real community can start to happen and people can really start to help our lives. People can start to pray for you. It says right in there, the earnest prayer of basically just an average person, not a priest, not some pastor, just another person praying for you has the power to heal you. And people can begin to keep you accountable. There's this cool verse back in Ephesians. Ephesians 4.12, it says this, a, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and they can conquer. That's like a battle strategy, right? If you're standing alone, it's easy to get cut down from behind. But if two people are there, you can watch each other's backs. But it says three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I take this completely literal. In the fact saying that if you have sin. If you share it with somebody else, you're far more likely to succeed because the enemy can't cut you from behind. You have someone watching your back, keeping you accountable. And in the same sense, I think that if you can share it with one person, it's good. If you can share it with two, pers- two people, it's even better. Two people is even better. For three people working together, you're almost unstoppable. You can keep track of each other and you can help each other out. It says in, the around, in and around this verse, it says, If one lays down, they free, but, uh, freeze, but if two lay down, they keep each other warm. It says that if one falls down, he can't get up on his own, but if two are working together and one falls down, someone can lift them back up. I think that's an exact parable of what it means to have actually people involved in your life. When you fall down with sin, it's hard to get back up, but if someone is keeping you accountable and knows what you deal with, they can lift you back up and say, this doesn't have to be your tomorrow. It might be your today, but this doesn't have to be your tomorrow. They can keep, a, they can keep track of you. They can help you out. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. You need to find a few people. You need to find a few people who you can really trust and you need to share with them if you're struggling with pornography, with other sin. Last but not least, you need to clean it up. Talk is very, very cheap. Very cheap. Even me, giving you this message. Very cool, right? You get to learn stuff, that's awesome. But my talk is cheap. If I walk out of here and you see me doing something different, what do those words mean? Nothing. If I speak a good game, but I live a different way, those words mean absolutely nothing. It's about backing up words with action. That's what give words weight. So talking about it isn't enough. You have to put some action with it, too. Think realistically about this. If you're struggling in the area of pornography, when do you struggle? Where do you struggle? How do you struggle? And be smart enough to say that maybe I need to remove myself from those situations. I mean, right? If I struggle when I'm at home alone by myself, maybe I shouldn't be at home alone by myself. If I struggle because my computer is located in a dimly lit area in a room that I can close the door, maybe that computer should be out somewhere where people can keep track of me. You know, if I struggle on Sundays, maybe I just need to stay off the computer on Sundays. Be a little drastic with a change, but be smart about it. Put some action with your ideas. You know, we're not idiots as, as people. I think a lot of people, they get so caught up in the idea of thinking, like, there's nothing I can do, but we're really, really smart. It says in the Bible in a couple different places, it says people who are followers of Christ, they thought and they did. We need to do that more as Christians. So many of us spend so much time sitting around waiting, asking God to show us, and it's like, you don't have to pray and ask God to show you whether or not you shouldn't be looking at pornography, okay? Pray, think, and change something. We're smart. We can figure stuff like this out. Other sin that we deal with. You're smart enough to think about when does this happen? How does it happen? With who does it happen? Are there people that have bad influence in my life? Maybe I don't need to be their friends anymore because all they do is drag me down. You can think realistically and you can change circumstances in your life. You don't have to be the same person tomorrow you were today. You can change stuff. Move the computer, like I said. Turn off the internet. You want to talk about real drastic? If you can't kick something, turn the internet off. You can get by without the internet. People did it for years. Years and years and years without the internet. You can get by without it. You don't need it. You could go to the library if you really need to get on the internet. You could do something like that. Greg was talking about, you have a smartphone that you can cruise the internet and that's a problem? Downgrade. Go back and get a phone that can only text message and send out calls. And stop doing that because you can get pulled into it. Download X3 from Triple X Church. Talked about it last week. If, you, if you've ever ever dealt with pornography in your life which the majority even if we're not struggling with it now we might have struggled with it in the past or even looked at it before or maybe even you just have people in your house that you think might be struggling with it there's this awesome program on triplexchurch.com, xxxchurch.com it's called x3 you download it it runs behind your software and what it does is it keeps track of all the internet sites you visit and it sends it to an accountability partner through an email every two weeks it changes things can I be really, really honest with you? In my past, I dealt with an issue of pornography and dealing with it. And what helped me was getting X3. Because when you know somebody's watching you, it's far harder to take and slip up. It's how we are as humans. I dealt with it, too. I dealt with it, too, just like every other person. There's tons and tons of guys. Almost every guy has, has dealt with this. In our modern-day society with the Internet, man, it doesn't matter how hard you try to run from it, it finds you and it tries to pull you back in. You get something like this, and it keeps track of where you've gone, and it'll completely change your internet habits because you know somebody's watching you. Mom and dads, you need to make a decision for your children. The average age at which kids first see pornography is 11 years old on the internet. Eleven. If you're a mom and a dad, you need to take the time to find a way to protect your kids even if you don't care about yourself. Can I be really honest with you? Even if you say, I look at porn, don't care, really don't care about what you're saying, that's fine. If you really don't agree with anything I'm saying, I still don't care. But don't you agree that your kids shouldn't experience that garbage? Your kids should not experience that crap. It'll mess them up. Even if you disagree with me, you need to do something for your kids because they deserve better. They shouldn't have to look at all that garbage and then have to deal with the repercussions of it. They're talking right now about this next generation and psychologists are scared about what our sexuality is going to become because our young kids are growing up where the internet teaches them everything and they're finding that people who are as young as 11 are being taught about sex by pornography. Pornography is not an accurate description of sex. And they're afraid that come another 10, 15, 20 years there will be a generation of people of basically rapists because pornography is a single-sided sexual activity. That's rape. A single-sided sexual activity is rape. And they're afraid that people's sexuality is going to be formed from only looking at pornography instead of learning about it in a healthy way from parents, from the church. That's frightening. And we need to protect our kids from stuff like that. You're in the middle of a war. Once you've experienced it, sin in general, but pornography, it's going to keep coming back for you and trying to pull you in. And you have to decide, just like in a war, that you're not going to let it win. You have to decide, and you have to commit. You have to fight. If you, if you fall down and you struggle, you have to get back up, and you have to keep fighting. You can't give up, because it'll run you over, and it'll destroy you. You need to ask for help, though. Colossians two, twenty through 23, it says this, and, and this is the reality. Is, is, it's good to do all those things. But here's the reality. I think it's a great verse for us to look at, and I'll explain it to you because it might be a little confusing. It says, You have died with Christ. He set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Here's what I want to share with you. All that stuff that I was saying is really good. You should find ways to be smart and change stuff. But what he's saying is that it doesn't matter how hard you try. You can cut off the, the outpouring of that. You can cut off the fact that you maybe don't look at pornography, don't deal with that stuff. But the only person who can deal with the iniquity deep down inside of your heart is God. You can make ways to keep yourself from looking at it. You can make ways from finding and setting roadblocks to sin. But unless you change your heart, you're going to keep coming back to it. He says, God's the only one who can deal with that root deep down inside of us, of sexual sin, of, of immorality. He's the only one that can deal with it. And you should set up these things that, that help you out, but he says, if you really want to clean it up, you've got to really ask God for help. Because he's the one who changes our hearts. He's the one who makes us no longer want to do those things and changes our desires. And he can do that if we submit our life to him. The big thing I want to tell you is is, is if this message connects with you, whether it's pornography or whether it's sin or, or whatever it is that you're dealing with, my plea to you today is take care of it today. People always say tomorrow, next week, in the future, someday. It's garbage. You know what someday is never (laughs) that's what someday is someday never comes someday never shows up doesn't come it's monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday not someday it doesn't happen people who always say i'll take care of it in the future next week next sunday someday it's never going to happen when you realize something you need to take care of it today and that's what I, i i would ask you to do this message connects with you today when i pray You need to ask God for help and tell him you have a problem. Today, you need to connect with somebody maybe here who's a friend. Say, listen, I've had a struggle. Could maybe me and you talk every once in a while and you keep me accountable? Maybe I could sign up for X3. Could I put your email address down on my X3 so that it's sending you what I'm seeing? Can you find a couple people who you trust? Maybe even take a chance. Maybe you guys don't have a lot of friends. Sometimes, depending on where you move around and stuff like that, you might not have a lot of connections. Maybe you need to make a new connection and say, listen, I know we're not that close, but could you just be a, a buddy with me enough that you might maybe keep track of this for me? Because I'd still be embarrassed to send you an email that says that I looked at something. Find some people. Do it today. Do it today. Call somebody. You got a friend that maybe lives on the other side of the United States, other side of the world. Make a call today and get a hold of them. Tell them, listen, man, I have a problem. If you're a woman, listen, I have a problem. I would really like if you could keep me accountable. When we keep hiding it and keep it in dark, it's going to keep growing and it's going to get worse. When we bring it out to light, it can get better. I love what Craig said. He said, if you think those conversations are hard to have now, wait until it comes out without you bringing it up, until you get caught. It's far more embarrassing to have that conversation then. Easy to have it now and say, I'm going to change it. Hard to have it later when someone catches you and you have to admit it. Today you need to go home and you need to download X3. You need to move your computer. You need to set up a way to keep track of your kids. You need to do it today. Don't put it off. I want to pray to finish. And um, I want you guys to bow your heads with me. And I really, what we do this is to is kind of give some people some, some privacy. Um, it maybe isn't even for you this morning, but that you respect people around you enough that you're not looking around because if they need to connect with God this morning, that's for them to do. So if you can close your eyes and just give someone else the respect, okay? And this morning, if you say, you know what? God, I have a problem with pornography, with sin, with an issue. I need to tell God, just real quietly in your mind right now, just say, God, I have a problem. And admit it to him. Admit to God this morning, I have a problem. And God, I need help. And this morning, I always like to I always like to offer this to people. If there's someone here today that realizes that they need Jesus Christ, this message is 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 good, but I've never even started a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'd love to ask him to help, but I don't have a relationship with him. If you say that this morning and say, I need to start a relationship, what I'd love you to do is just look up and look at me and raise your hand so you can get my attention. I'd love to talk to you. Okay. What I want to do is I want us to pray real quick and then I'm going to let you guys go and I want you guys to be encouraged to do something today, okay? Jesus, I thank you so much for this morning and God, I thank you for what a good God you are Lord, I thank you that we can come together and we can talk about real issues like this because this is what I believe you would do if you're here today, Jesus. You wouldn't let these issues just remain silent, but you talk about them and say, we need to change this stuff because it hurts people. God, I pray to you for strength for each and every person who might be dealing with this area of pornography. pray to you, give them courage to be able to tell you, to tell others today, to take action and clean it up. I pray to you, Jesus Christ, that you would give them strength and give them give them that courage to do it. I pray to you also, Lord, that you would just draw us closer to you, that you would remind us that you're a good God. You don't, you don't convict us, and you don't make us realize that we have problems so that you can try to shame us, but you do it so we can change, so we can be better. God, I thank you so much for what a good God you are. And it's your name that I pray, Jesus. Amen.